You are listening to National Security Law Today. Welcome to National Security Law Today, brought to you by the American Bar Association Standing Committee on Law and National Security. I'm Nicole, a member of the committee staff, and I'm joined by national security lawyers here in their individual capacity and not on behalf of any agency or firm. And I'm Elisa. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you're a national security law nerd, this is your safe space. Today, we're joined by Andrew Boreen, Senior Director of Semantics Federal National Security Group. Wow, that sounds super impressive. And over the phone, we have Mr. Harvey Rishikoff, who is a visiting law professor at Temple University and chair of the Law and National Security Advisory Committee and a frequent favorite on the show. Uh, besides being excellent national security attorneys and friends of the cast, uh, you guys are both editors of a new edition of a truly monumental legal book, the U.S. Intelligence Community Law Resource Book, the seventh edition, and that's the 2019 version of the book, which came out just this month, and on May 22nd, uh, both Andrew and Harvey will be speaking at a panel, on a panel, about this book, which has now been in print for 10 years. Oh my goodness, a full decade of the book. Andrew, Harvey, what is the book about? Let's explain it to our listeners since it's such a valuable resource. <laughs> uh, well, first off, it's uh, it, it's been an amazing journey for 10 years to be doing this with uh, the uh, support of Harvey Rishikoff, who truly is a legend in the National Security Bar. Uh, and we've also had the support of Adam Perlman, uh, who was our research editor for many, many years, um, who came to us also through the ABA Standing Committee on Law and National Security uh, when he was, I believe, a law clerk uh, just out of law school. Wow. Well, Harvey, do you want to talk about what is in the book? What is the contents? What should people expect? So, uh, first of all, I want to thank um, both um, Andrew and Adam because when we started the project 10 years ago, there were a lot of doubters. There were a lot of people who didn't think, given this age of electronics, that we needed a hard copy and a, an electronic version, but particularly a hard copy of this book, to access the critical documents inside the IC that we use as the legal framework. But uh, against all doubters, we um, sort of pursued, we pursued and we were able to uh, persevere. And what was uh, amazing about it is when we originally started, if you remember, Andrew, we would bo do both the core statutes and we were looking at the core executive orders. And we also were talking about doing the uh, uh, pending legislation in the field, hoping that over time we would be able to see the evolution and arc of the legal framework. And we also began with doing essays. We originally thought that we would have introductory essays in the first couple of years we had leading authorities, as we like to say, SME, subject matter experts, writing and doing sort of review the way you would think of the Supreme Court review at the end of the year for where the trends and what the big issues were. But over time, two things happened. One, we, we dropped the essays, which I, I must confess saddened me. And then the second thing that happened was this concept of having a framework book, which would have all the critical documents for a particular area of the law both in hard copy and electronically, turned out to be a model for the American Bar Association. And now a number of committees and sections create similar books, all sort of patterned on the 
original concept we had at the National Security Law Committee, Standing Committee, in order to create a, ver a document that you could very quickly, for those of us who practice in this area, pull it off the shelf, look exactly what the language of the statute is, look exactly what the language of the executive order is. And in many meetings that I've been over the decades, unfortunately, there'd be this issue, oh, 12333 says this. I go, not exactly. Let's look exactly at the language. And this book has proven to be an extraordinary resource for practitioners. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to echo that. I think um, Cindy Ryan, our, the current chair of the committee and former general counsel of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, or NGA, uh, and I actually had a conversation at one of the one of the standing committee breakfasts uh, about a decade ago, uh, and I was talking about how in the Marine Corps, when I was a company commander, I used to have this desk reference book, and it had the Uniform Code of Military Justice. It had uh, kind of a, 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 a print manual for how you conduct these proceedings and how invaluable that was to be able to highlight the key sections uh, and refer to them, even though, of course, it's all available online and we live in an Internet age. Uh, but the fact was that by having the my own red book, is what we used to call it, of the Uniform Code of Military Justice, um, we were able to conduct those proceedings uh, for non-judicial punishment and initial UCMJ hearings. Um, and I said, wouldn't it be great if somebody did that for intelligence law? And Cindy said, you know, there's uh, there's been some talk of that at the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. Bob Litt uh, has been trying to do a very similar effort. Um and we did a little research, and we discovered that that particular book is its great. I mean, it, it sells out the minute it comes off the government press. But there was not a corresponding publication available for attorneys in private practice, uh, available readily for non-lawyers, even in the intelligence community. So uh, people in policy positions, people in operational positions, uh, branch chiefs uh, in analytical positions – it actually is relevant to them to be that's able to right. look. Right, it governs their work. That's right, and 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 just to Harvey's point, uh, and and we make jokes on this podcast a lot about working in a skiff. When you work in a skiff, you don't necessarily also uh, have uh, an iPhone or an Android in your pocket to pull up the relevant statute. So, the concept of a preprinted, readily bound uh, body of intelligence law uh, ended up being uh, very valuable uh, in part because. Not because of the lack of value of the official government uh, ODNI legal reference book, but also because of the shortage. Uh, it, it was what we uh, call a high demand, low de density resource in the intelligence community, um, and uh, so so it's really kind of dovetailed nicely. And the other thing I just want to say about how important it is that the committee had these these outreach uh, capacity. When we did the initial few editions, uh, we we had those essays. Uh, Cindy Ryan, for instance, wrote a piece on the general law of intelligence collection and the general guidance on uh, U.S. persons issues. Uh, we had another piece uh, right at the advent after USA Patriot by um, a U.S. attorney, an assistant U.S. attorney, on national security letters. And what do you do in the private sector if you're hit with a national security letter? Um, and then over the course of time, what we've been able to put into this book, so every edition, uh, if you put them all together and you look at all seven, you will actually see kind of the arc that Harvey was talking about, about the evolution of what were the most timely issues for the Director of National Intelligence, for the Director of Central Intelligence, uh, for uh, the Director of National Security Agency, and as they develop cybercom and offensive cyber capabilities. And to that point this year, uh, we have uh, committee statements by Bill Evanina, Director of the National Counterintelligence and Security Center, which talk a great deal about supply chain risk. So you well, can, let's hit that because yeah. supply chain, I mean, we've heard all about Huawei, 
equipment. There was an issue vis-a-vis what was uh, Kaspersky, uh, what was that on? What systems was that on? And then, you know, there was a, uh, at some point, you can no longer have that on a government system. But the point is that all of that vis-a-vis supply chain obviously is very timely, Mm -hmm. very important. If you are a general counsel and any private company, whether or not you have um, defense contracts or you're a vendor of any kind, you should have this book. Right, and, and that's that's one of the things we've seen. Uh, we've gotten some great feedback by uh, some members of the committee and some other uh, affiliates and past members of the committee who have been general counsels at major contractors and defense firms uh, have commented to, to me and I'm sure to Harvey and others offline as well the value of, again, having this, this, useful, uh, this useful resource available to them as well. If you work in the general counsel's office at DNI or National Geospatial Intelligence Agency or NSA or CIA, you have a resource on online um, classified network library to these laws. If you are a journalist even, right, and you're writing a piece on was this um, just an inadvertent disclosure of classified information or was this espionage? It's really a good idea to take a look at what the actual laws say under Title 18 related to espionage or unauthorized classified information disclosure. So what we're doing is also empowering and doing a big piece of ABA's work on public education on how the U.S. addresses national security law. Uh, And I think one of the coolest things, and Harvey, I'd I'd love it if you would talk a little bit about this, but one of the coolest things I think about is it, it highlights the American way of uh, governing and overseeing intelligence and covert operations. We don't have secret laws. We have secret policy. We don't have secret policies. We have we have secret operations. We have uh, secret sources, secret methods, and those are things that must be protected. But we do not hide the authorities from uh, the American people, and we don't have undisclosed crimes that the American people are unaware of. Very good, Harvey. Well, um, I think that um, let me sort of echo some of the sentiments. And part of the issue is, you know, there is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And the FISA, Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, which uh, increasingly, at least our committee, has been involved in helping to publish the decisions when the court decides they want to make them public. That's another project that not only uh, Georgetown has been involved in, in putting up um, a site, but we at the ABA committee have also been involved in some projects, also with Adam, looking to see how to make those particular cases uh, accessible to the general public because there are significance inside the community and how important the FISA court has become inside the battling of, uh, as you pointed out, both terrorism and the issue of uh, espionage. But on the supply chain, one of the things I would also say, I have occasion to be on the Hill, and you will walk into offices of the staffers and you will see copies of this book and, you know, we have our minor report, which I was involved in for Deliver Uncompromised. And I, I think, as you know, on the Hill, there's a lot of discussion about how to affect new change statutes in that area. And uh, yet again, this book will be at the forefront of if and when those statutes are passed. We'll be able to see the evolution of how the Congress has been trying to grapple with these set of issues and how the sort of frameworks and laws have been built, which will be invaluable for research and for people going forward and trying to understand the space. Yeah, and, and, and I'd also add, uh, you know, one of the things that has stuck with this book throughout is that we include a section on, we call it context and commentary. 
And that's where we put in those uh, Senate confirmation statements. We also put in regularly... Wait, what Senate confirmation statements? Because I was just looking at this, and this is a huge plus. Right. So we put in the Senate confirmation statements from not all of the uh, intelligence community officials, but the ones that, uh, through our, our, our kind of polling of the committee and the national security bar experts that we're affiliated with and some of the mission people, what are the, the, the core issues? So, for instance, we've had this statement uh, for the record on the worldwide threat assessment for the U.S. intelligence community uh, r- running for uh, 10 years. And as a result, you can see a trend. And one of the really, really interesting trends is if you look three or four cycles back, uh, the, the conversation on threats was started either with terrorism or geographical threats, um, such as uh, Russia or China or Iran or North Korea. And what you see this year uh, is the emergence that the number one worldwide threat assessment factor is not one geographical area. It's a domain of operations, and it's called cyber security and cyber threats uh, as the leading global threat. Uh, and immediately followed is malign foreign actors. Uh, we included some statements from uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. We included a speech that he delivered uh, at the Aspen Security Forum in July where he revealed the Department of Justice's survey on malign foreign influence uh, in U.S. elections. So these are things that create a lasting record and a library legacy uh, of what were the core policy issues that faced the appointees regardless of political party. And I think that's a really uh, important arc, and it's a great service that the ABA is providing uh, not only to the National Security Bar but also to the agency leaders in the future. Okay, well, we are just about at the mark for this basically short podcast today. Let's let's pivot for just a second and talk about how you actually get this book. Um, Nicole, do you want to talk about how to, uh, how to acquire the book from the ABA? Well, you can visit us online at shopaba.org. It is a featured publication, so you can always find it there, the U.S. Intelligence Community Law Sourcebook. You can also come to the American Bar Association Standing Committee on Law and National Security website. That's americanbar.org slash natsecurity. If you go there, you can just click on the link right at the top of the page to purchase the book, or... If you're interested in coming to our event on May 22nd, it's called The American Way, Rule of Law and Intelligence and Covert Operations, and that'll be at the University Club in Washington, D.C. at 3.30 p.m. You can buy the book on site and take it home with you that day. All right, well, that's terrific. And let me say this, because I know, Andrew, we've talked about this. One of the most important features of the book is something we have not discussed. It is just impressive looking. It's huge. It's the size of a small adobe hut. Uh, if you're a person of my size and you're going to be like an, on a panel sitting at a table, you could sit on it and appear to be as tall as your colleagues, which is important. To largely, me. largely we do that so that we keep uh, Harvey in fighting shape, uh, so that Harvey can deliver it to speakers as a parting gift. Uh, incidentally, it's got uh, it's got a counterterrorism tool. You can drop it on terrorists from high heights. It works. It yeah. works. Uh, and Harvey, Knocks them senseless. Harvey, I believe you've been stacking them in your doors and windows as a Homeland Security tool as well. Is that correct? Well, first of all, let me thank both Adam and Andrew again for all of their perseverance. <laughs> uh, and, and let me thank Cindy also for all of her support as the new chair. And I want to thank Elise and Nicole for doing what you always do in putting forward these podcasts, which have proven to be extraordinarily popular people around the country. I just came in from uh, CMU uh, in Pittsburgh, and they were talking about, someone pulled me aside and said, 
said how much they enjoyed the podcast. So it's it's really having quite an impact. And I would say that I have found the denseness of the book has been extremely um, supportive when I've had to deal with some junior attorneys and wanted to make a point quite emphatically that I find dropping the book somewhere in their vicinity usually gets their attention. So it's extremely effective educational tool in order to get certain young attorneys to focus on what the law is as opposed to what they believe the law should be. Well, and with that tremendous insight, I want to thank you both. Uh, We're really glad that you came in today. We hope that you will go on the website, take a look at the book. Uh, We invite you to purchase it. And we will have, there will be times when it will be discounted. Uh, so you might want to keep up with that. Do you want to talk about that briefly? Yes, so ABA members always receive a discount on any ABA publications. We'll be announcing any additional discounts. We'll do periodic ones through the year. Uh, and uh, just keep an eye on the site to see if you can maybe get this incredible resource at a slightly lower price. Great. And come see, come see Harvey in person May 22nd, 3.30 p.m. at the University Club. All right, and... Thanks to all of you out there for listening to National Security Law Today, the podcast of the Standing Committee on Law and National Security. Remember, they will both be speaking at a book event on May 22nd at the University Club on 16th Street in Washington, D.C., easily accessible from three different metro stops, Farragut West, Farragut North, and McPherson Square. For those of you young lawyers who are smart enough not to get into your cars and start trying to navigate uh, the roads in this city, also there is a bike share uh, less than a block away, so keep that in mind. You can find links to Black Letter Law and articles on today's topic at AmericanBar.org slash NatSecurity and in the notes to this podcast. We'll also have more information about the 2019 Intelligence Community Law Sourcebook and that May 22nd book reception. You can visit us online or find us there for the book and to RSVP for the event. You can also always drop us a note at NationalSecurity at AmericanBar.org or on Twitter at ABANatsac. We welcome your feedback. Hey, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. The views expressed on national security law today have not been approved by the House of Delegates or the Board of Governors of the American Bar Association and accordingly should not be construed as representing ABA policy.